let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. We have Christy Kirby, who I've known for probably at least a dozen years or so and have worked really closely with her on quite a few projects. And one of the things that I absolutely have been um, really just contemplating over and over again uh, since I put her on my list to have probably about a year ago as I was planning my podcast is that her storytelling abilities, including metaphors and analogies and just being able to take the complex and make it into a simple language has always impressed me. And this includes whether it was in the tech tech industry and with teams or with vendors or even with outside sources like sports figures. And it's really amazing to hear her Kind of approach that she has actually mapped out for you all, which is amazing because I love when guests can come on and also share in a way that is easy for you to understand and, and be able to apply yourself. Now, here's the thing with storytelling. There is an interesting approach to this and it has become kind of a buzzword, but the impact that it can have is really significant And as we are moving through times where we're trying to make connections with people, we're trying to influence in a way that's in a positive, collective way, we're also trying to collaborate in ways that aren't just from one single point of view within the group, but as a whole. And one of the things that I've found people are using that works really well is this kind of common language, as well as this bigger picture story that connects to the audience. It allows them to be able to create this emotional connection to whatever the topic is, to be able to sense this trust within whoever's delivering the message, asking for investment, asking for um, support, being able to produce or pitch something that is a new product, a new program, Um, or even a new um, business um, resource group within a company. And one of the things that I found um, to be really amazing with this uh, timing of this new kind of skill, if you want to call it that, is that this now more than ever has become the output of using all three of our intelligences, of our analytical intelligence, our creative intelligence, and our practical intelligence. And so instead of this being a piecemeal type of an approach, whatever your message is, um, whether it's a business plan that you're presenting or whether it is a topic at a, at a, 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 a seminar, and this can be produced in a way that pulls in not only factual data, but also that intuitive nudge and from a creative perspective creates the story around why. And this is a super important part to any storytelling. But I love the way that Christy goes into this structured approach almost as to the components that make up the best storytelling. This is not just about telling a story. There is a real strategy behind this that can be super effective. And I love the fact that she tells you how to do it in this episode. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt, on Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt, or on Twitter at McCourt Angie. So without further ado, let's hear from Christy. Welcome to Shifting Inside Out. I am so grateful to have you on this episode. To get started, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? All right. Well, and my friend, I'm so happy to be here. So thank you for having me. And I love that you're doing this. So I've been listening to all your stuff and it's so awesome. So 
Um, but yes, yeah, so Christy Kirby, um, let's see, I live in, you know, Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, so first and foremost, uh, my most important, you know, roles, I guess, in this world is I'm a mom of two amazing children, a 10 year old daughter and six year old son and a wife to my amazing husband, Josh. Um, you know, and then in addition to that, you know, daughter, sister, aunt friend, all the good stuff. Um, so professionally, I'm an executive in the IT channel for a $60 billion, recently $60 billion global distributor um, that Angie, I know you're familiar with named TD Cynix. So in that role, I get to work with some of the coolest companies in the world to create amazing technology and just um, with great people who create awesome stuff. But most importantly, um, I lead just an amazingly talented team of people who just continue to impress me every single day. So um, I also, as part of that organization, serve as vice chair of one of our business resource groups. It's known as Elevate, which is focused on promoting and supporting the um, career journeys and life journeys, really, if you will, of women uh, at the organization and within that channel. And, um, you know, serve also um, on a board of an organization you're familiar with known as the JDRF of Northern Yay. Florida. So, um, yeah, so, you know, all that good stuff. Very good. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. All right. So for the um, listeners, just to get a little bit more um, information about you, we're going to get a little personal with some quick round questions. So all the right. first one is, what is your morning ritual or routine? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Um, so um, I aim to be an early riser. It doesn't work every day, especially if I'm traveling between time zones or whatever, but I aim to be an early riser just because I think that you can extend your day and get a lot done. So um, but the very first thing I do is um, I kiss my husband because um, I think that's yeah. important. Um, we've been together a long time, but that's, you know, we're still best of friends and keep the magic alive. Um so I uh, pray first thing. Um, I pray for lots of different things. I pray for, you know, of course, my family um, and my friends, really everyone I know, if you think about it, different things, just pray for the world, especially now. I think, you know, lots of just prayer for the world and mm -hmm. peace. Um, I really like to meditate and just kind of reflect on things and just do some deep breathing because I can wake up wired and raring to go. So that's definitely something that has helped me. Um and so I do all that really before anyone else wakes up. Right. And so, but of course, then, you know, I'm a mom, I have two kids, it's busy. You know, you got kids that wake up uh, by this point, you know, my puppy's ready to, to roll, get going. I, I got a puppy about a year ago. Um, it's my first dog in my whole oh. life and she's kept me super busy. Her name is Sunny, like sunshine. So she's a hmm. sweetheart. Um, but I also think it's really important, right. To, um, you know, through all that stuff, you know, we stop and just give thanks for the day that we have ahead of us. I think, you know, I just think that's super important. Um, and I'm a big, you know, planner and scheduler, I guess I'm, you know, type A and just kind of ritual in that, but I like to know, you know, how to fit probably because I try to put 50,000 things in every single day. Um, I just like to plan and schedule and carve out every bit of time, I guess, <laughs> that I can <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So with the 50,000 things a day, how do you renew your energy? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, and it is super important because that does need to be right. I mean, it sounds so silly, but you know, scheduling time for yourself and scheduling time to breathe and all that, you know, that's something that younger me definitely didn't realize me at this age definitely does realize that. Um, but I think, you know, one of the easiest ways for me, it's natural, you know, is just time with my mm -hmm. kids first and foremost, right? I mean, they're, they're at the age, they see the world from such just a cool view and perspective. Um, and so, you know, time with that, just to just get out of whatever's, you know, going on or swirling because, you know, we all have it right. Um, and just stopping and, you know, just taking a look at what they're doing or, you know, they'll walk me through the creations they make with their Legos and every little detail. And I'm just like, I'm fascinated <laughs> just to see kind of the view from their um, world, but also, you know, time with my family, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough that most of my family lives, you know, within the area. And so I get to see them a lot. Um, that's helpful. Kind of keeps me grounded back, back to my roots, mm -hmm. if you will, at all times, which I think is important. Um, you know, beach and sunshine, Floridians, we got it going on. <laughs> we like the beach. Uh, the water keeps me happy. It's my happy place, especially if I ever need a place. I just need to look at some water and chill. Um, and then I have a, 
I, I moved you know, all that, not all that long ago. And I have kind of this awesome serene view of mm. nature um, all around me behind my house, especially. So just stopping and like taking it in or even just looking up at the sky and saying, wow, you know, like you think things around you are sometimes so big and we're maybe bigger than they really are. And then you like look up at the sky or, you know, whether it's the daytime or the stars at night, you realize I am just <laughs> the smallest little <laughs> of being, oh, if you yeah. will, on this yes. earth. So that's, the that's awesome. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure? Oh goodness. This probably, Oh, this might be so hard. Uh, I might have a few. That's okay. Uh, cheesecake. Cheesecake. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, um, but no, probably, you know, I think more, I'm a, I'm somebody that responds probably better to the ear. So I love, 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 love just chilling out and listening mm. to music. It's probably one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'd much rather have music on, uh, every day of the week than have a TV mm. running. Um, and also, um, when I do have a TV running, um, you will find me. I do like to watch soccer specifically. I like to watch a lot of soccer. I so bet people were expecting Netflix. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I do. That's okay. amazing. Yes, I do watch a little bit. Um, but I'm definitely more of a music person for sure. And I and I realize I think I'm absolutely born in the wrong generation because I realize like either I'm just out of touch or or what. But I like I just like all uh -huh. music and I don't know. I just yeah, feel, I'm in the know. same boat. Um, what about soccer? Were you a soccer player growing up? I okay. was. I was a soccer player. So I played most of my you know college you know kid life, if you will, you know, and through high school. Um, but it was a it was a great sport, and then I had to um, not only when I was not playing soccer, I also had to run like track or cross country or whatever off season just to stay in shape, especially in school. But I did I played rec when I was a kid, and then more competitively as I got older. Um, and you know, I look back, and you know, I just was playing a game that I liked. Mm -hmm. And I remember I played soccer when like a lot of people mm -hmm. didn't know about mm -hmm. it, and you know, think about it. You know, you had to go find like the one random place that would play a game if it was like the World Cup or whatever. But um, it was a great thing because it instilled, you know, team teamwork, collaboration, you know, competitiveness. It instills all that yeah. in you um, at a young age. And you meet people from different places and see different things. And it was really, really awesome. And now so that's where it comes do your from. kids watch soccer with you? They do. They actually very much do. They're pretty into it, believe mm -hmm. it or not. So they've both played. Um, and they both do, you know, in addition to that, they do different sports and whatnot. But, yeah, they do like it. And it's funny because my husband – who never loved soccer before, you know, he was definitely more of a football guy and still is by the way, but um, he is so into <laughs> it. Sometimes I think he's more into it than me, um, which is really funny. And I think, but part of it too, is it's, if you think about it, it's kind of the perfect sport for like parents, especially parents of younger kids. Cause you know, we watch like European leagues mostly, right. It's on yeah. early, you know, Time. it's two mm -hmm. hours, right. It's two hours in the morning. So you can kind of like do that, but still, have your day and feel like you do things. Plus, um, you know, it's just, a, I just think it's a beautiful game the way the whole thing How flows. fun. That's awesome. I love it. Um, okay. So it would be really awesome. I've known you now for what? Oh my gosh. It's been 10, 12 years, like a long <laughs> time. And um, as I've gotten to know you, I've heard different points of your journey. And I just thought it would be really great to start out with um, just what your journey has been and you can go as far back as you'd like and just share your journey with us. All right. Yeah. So, um, let's see. So, um, well, first and foremost, I'm 40 years old. Um, so, um, I'm not one of those people that's, you know, afraid of my age or anything. So, um, I, uh, was born in Michigan, but grew up mostly in Florida. My dad, um, was transferred here when I was really young, um, which turned out to be super awesome. And so, um, you know, had a great, you know, childhood and had two older, have two older brothers, you know, that I'm still very close to, um, my parents are still around. I'm lucky. And, and that's amazing. And, um, you know, I just, you know, got, I grew up, I think, you know, I grew up simple in the sense of, you know, my parents worked hard. I, I lived, you know, they provided an amazing life. Um, they've been supportive of me, um, all through my, all through my life and, you know, always encouraged me to try my best. You know, I didn't have to be the best, but I had to try you know, my best. And I think that that's important. It's definitely a lesson I've passed on to my own kids. Um, but, you know, then if you look kind of through, you know, my whole childhood, and all, I always, you know, tried to strive for like leadership roles, whether it was in student council or, 
you know, Captain. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't really realize it. I don't think until I was older, I'm like, I've kind of always been wired this way, but I was encouraged Mm -hmm. to be that way. You know what I mean? I was very much encouraged to chase my dreams and, and I owe, you know, my parents everything in that regard. Right. Um, And I was fortunate to just have a lot of good teachers and stuff along the way too. But I went to school, um, started, uh, you know, went to college, um, went to UF Gator. Mm -hmm. So, um, but had a great um, journey, you know, but before that I actually started working for this company. Um, I was, you know, I worked at like a grocery store and whatnot and everybody does that. Right. And, um, but I started working with this company that was like a medical device sales company. And it was like in high school though, when, and I was a filing clerk, like after school, which I was like, it was just a job and it was, you know, pretty good job and it paid, paid okay. And, you know, it was just kind of fun. I worked there with my friends, a few of us, and it wasn't really hard at all. And so, um, but interestingly enough in college, I went back to start working for that company again, but I took on a sales job at a pretty young age. And so learned a lot about inside sales and learned a lot about sales leadership and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, thought that that was pretty cool. And I liked what I was doing. I ended up getting my master's degree through that time as well, like in a professional program. Well, then typical right in that industry, you know, an acquisition happened. And of course, you know, I was offered the ability to move with the acquisition, but the problem was, was to a very cold climate. And I don't really like that. And, you know, it was just not, I was not really in the place of my life. And so I networked with them within my graduate program. And one of the, my classmates, you know, worked at this company called Tech Data. And I was like, you know, what is Tech Data? And she's like, oh, it's a huge employer in Florida. It's out of Clearwater. And I was like, I've never heard of it. I grew up in the Tampa Bay area. And I never heard of it. I was like, oh, it's Right. It sounds interesting. So needless to say, um, I thought it was really kind of cool. And um, I started working there or I got an interview, you know, pretty, she was awesome. She was, you know, I went to her to this day, got an interview, you know, I'm like, oh, this will totally do, you know, this will do for a bit. I'll see what it's like until I find another job. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess 15 years later, here I am. And so, um, you know, I've been in all different roles in the company. Um, you know, at all different levels. I started out at the ground up, which I think is really important. Um, you know, I'm definitely, I even said this today you know, in a different, in a different setting. I think I've absolutely been imp- ambitious and impatient for most of my career. <laughs> I fully own and admit that. Um, but I look back now and I realize that, you know, I progressed, you know, every few years to a different role. And, you know, I think it was important to go after what you want, but I always in- appreciate the fact that the different you know, times I sat in different roles or work with different vendors for periods of time or whatever. I learned so much during those times, just simply by watching things evolve mm-hmm. over time. Um, that has been great, but it's been a great organization. You know, we've been through lots of different change since I started there to where we are today. And we're in the middle of, you know, evolving into our future. And so it's a really exciting thing, but I mean, I've been an individual contributor, in multiple roles, right? I've done you know, whether it's product management or business development, right, or leadership, you know, at all the different levels and run big teams, small teams, teams local, you know, teams international, you know, now teams kind of a little bit of everywhere. So, but it's been really good and it's not always been easy, but um, it's always been interesting and I've grown all throughout that mm. journey. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest thing about the whole thing is your career really is what you make of it. So you have to be patient enough to know when you're learning, right? And ambitious enough to know to keep pushing. Mm. I think that that's kind of a really fine balance. It's certainly by no means am I an expert, but, you know, I think I've done okay, I guess. At this that point. is awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And um, one of the things that, I mean, I've, I've witnessed you just portray so many skills and gifts throughout that time. And especially um, as you know, the company has gone through so much change is when new skills have to come out, right? And and new skills hopefully are developed. But I think what's interesting is there is one skill that I just have admired that you do that is just magical. It's really amazing to watch and to witness because I don't see very many other people doing it very well, but I do view it as one of the most important skills and gifts going into the future. And that is storytelling and sharing things in a way that others can understand using metaphors and, you know, other kinds of techniques. And I just, I thought it would be really great to share with the listeners just 
some of your perspective around how did you build this skill? What, what do you do? How have you found success with this? Because it is something that I really feel is going to be one of those skills of the future that people need to start thinking about. How do I incorporate this? How do I tap into my own creativity? How do I think more big picture and how I can connect to my audience better? And I would just love for you to share that with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. And wow, I'm going to come call you if I ever need a little <laughs> about, about that. But um, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think um, I do like to storytell. Um, I think, you know, it's definitely something that I, I genuinely enjoy doing. But I think, um, you know, if you kind of look at something, I've, I've created this module quite a long time ago that I, you know, taught, you know, through different leadership classes or whatnot or different different coaching, you know, and whatnot. Um, really called storytelling for results. Yeah. And I think if you kind of think of it in that way, right, you're not just telling a story or whatever to pass time, or you're telling a story to, you know, for what, you're telling a story, you know, for a reason. And so like, if I kind of look at my whole process, if you will, and, you know, even just like in preparation for this, I started thinking like, okay, like, what is actually my process to this, right? Just to your point, you know, I guess I do it, but I never really took time to kind of carve it all out. But, um, you know, I think it is important that, you know, you follow kind of a process that I, I, I follow now that I've, you know, written it down. Um, and so maybe I could just, you know, maybe walk everyone yeah. through a little bit about the steps in the process and, and kind of how, <laughs> yeah, it works for me. So, um, you know, I think the first thing, you know, first and foremost is you have to start with the purpose and reason of why you're even telling a story or talking or conversing with someone or trying to, you know, whether it's in a personal setting, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's, you know, your parent, you're trying to get a message conveyed to your child, or whether it's, you know, you're trying to convey a message to your spouse or your team or, you know, your vendor you work with or your customer. It doesn't really matter. There's a million elements, right, about why you would do it. But finding the purpose and the reason for why it is you want to share something. And I think, you know, if I start right there, so many people miss that step first and foremost, right? I think it's just a tendency of this kind of busy world and life that we live to just dive right on into what it is. But if you think about like all great stories or all great, you know, kind of things that you've seen, there's always a purpose or a reason or a message or a whatever you're trying to convey mm -hmm. at the core of any good story, mm -hmm. whether that story is through a book, through a movie, right? Through something you've heard, through a song, right? Song lyrics, all of that. And so so I think just finding the purpose and reason and what really what what is what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And so I think it's natural to want to dive right in and be excited, especially when you're high passion and energy, <laughs> um, you know, but but doing that can really make, you know, your story over, if you will, before it mm -hmm. starts. So as part of that, finding the purpose and reason, you got to listen loud. You got to listen really loud. Um, you know, one of my favorite sayings is that you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> you know, it's not an accident right. that we were created that way. Um, but I also think, you know, listening loud and, and then also right, trying to create an outline about why it is you're 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 gonna, you know, tell a certain story um will make you create better. And 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 naturally not every story you're gonna tell is gonna be done, you know, where you have lots of time to prepare or whatnot, but where you can spend a lot of time preparing outlining, doing all that stuff and kind of building that mm -hmm. habit. Cause you got to build this in habit, right? If you're going to form it, um, you know, you ultimately create better. And so I think that that, that as just a foundational starting point is so important. And then, right. Then you got to figure out now it's the story that you want to tell, but who are you, who are you going to tell it to? Right. So in, in, in terms of that purpose and reason, who is it that you're trying to, to talk to, you know, and, what are they into? Because I think so many of us want to start with, you know, here's what I'm going to give you everything from my mm -hmm. perspective. But the art of good storytelling is to completely take yourself out of your own shoes and find the connection point with whoever it is that's listening in your audience, whether it's a person, a group, right? And all that. And so I've learned that every single person, no matter where they are, what role they're in, what age they are, has something they can connect mm -hmm. to. Right. I've had people on my team before that were golfers. I'm not a golfer, but they're so into golf. I better attempt to try mm. to learn something about golf. Right. Or if you look at like, you know, my daughter as an example, when I talk to her about different things and, 
and, you know, I'll explain to things, even if she asked me something about like my day and talk to me about how this worked or whatever. And, you know, who is that person? You know, I try to relate who that person is in my professional life to like what's going on in her school mm. as an example, Ooh. right? Because she's yeah. a kid. She's, yeah, that's what she would know is, is a school setting. She's not going to have any idea what a chief, mm -hmm. whatever, you know what I mean is she's, or a, or a senior executive that it's just not mm -hmm. going to happen. So, um, and so I think that that's good. Or, or, you know, when you're talking to, you know, whether it's your customers or your vendors or whatever, they're all into something. So understanding somebody on a personal connection, or at least trying to learn a little something about them or do some research about what they're into I think that's so important. And I think then that moves like really to, you know, kind of the next step of the process, right? Which is I love analogies and metaphors and all of those things, you know, better <laughs> than anyone that I love that. Um, you know, I've been told for many years, I should probably write them all down. I don't today, but I probably need to because someone's like, you definitely need to publish a book of these one day. I will start, you know, at one of these points. But um, when you figure out what somebody's into, then you can really understand how to talk to them in their own uh -huh. language. And I think that that's so important, right? And that that's, you know, whether you're trying to gain buy-in from someone or prep somebody or give, you know, feedback, you know, to somebody as a leader, right? You get feedback and coaching that matters, you know, whether we're, I'm guiding the kids on something, you know, it's funny. I mean, one of the funniest stories I have is I was prepping um, a quarterback that many people would probably know who that person was to speak at an event once. And he's awesome. And of course, so you hire a speaker and you're like trying to get them to convey a message to your audience and business. And they're like, okay, you know, talk to me about this program. I'm like, okay, here's the deal. This squad that we, you have address is like people coming straight out of college and it's their first year, right? This squad over here, more seasoned pros, you know, they've been around a little bit. They're looking to do X, Y, and Z. And so I started talking to this person all purely in football mm. analogies. About the tech industry. <laughs> about the tech industry. Because <laughs> and about our customers and about, because I was trying to think from the perspective of the customer, what do they want mm -hmm. here to maximize this time? But also from the perspective of the speaker, you know, this guy's coming in blind. Mm -hmm. He's doing lots of different public speaking engagements and, and all that. And no doubt his story's fascinating. There's absolutely something everyone can pull from it. But if you want to directly and best tie it to the audience, you know, I had to try to explain and give an analogy of, of what's going on and why we came from where we came from and why we were at that, what that event that we had hired him for and, and, you know, what the purpose was of all that sort of stuff. So I think, you know, if you look at analogies and metaphors, they really work for really any type of purpose. You know, I, I'm fairly quick on my feet with them, but I think really it just comes down to just stopping and thinking, you know, about how this thing is not all that different mm -hmm. from this thing. Like I joke all the time about a distributor and I relate it to a grocery store. Like it's one of my favorite mm -hmm. analogies because everyone may not know what a distributor is or all the different products and technology. I'm not even the most technical person. Like, let's get real here. Okay. But everyone can understand what a grocery shop yep. looks like or a grocery store, the different departments. And, um, you know, and I remember one time I made, you know, when I was talking about, um, you know, somebody about what do we do as an example, you know, in distribution and how's it different. I use the analogy of like creating a deli sandwich, right. You know, so, Yes, a grocery store might have all the raw ingredients and all the different things, but like what we did was we brought them all together, we matched them, we made combinations that were, you know, needed right by the customers that we were serving. You know, we knew how to add the different customizations and different flavors and all those sorts of things, right? And at the end, you have yourself your perfect custom deli sandwich. I'm sure you could have sourced all those ingredients right at home and figured it out eventually, Lord knows it probably would have cost you a fortune. <laughs> or you can sit there and go find a place that specializes that might be willing to, you know, kind of lead you on your journey to whatever sandwich it is that you wanted mm. to buy. Right. And that would help get you, you know, a wonderful lunch or dinner. Like if you look at IT distribution, it's a lot mm. like that as an example, <clears throat> right. About what we do in our value, because inherently it's hard to explain yeah. it. Otherwise to people, especially people not in your industry, but even sometimes people in your industry or even like, I think new hires, I was asked one time to do a class and explain to new hires what we do here. And I'm like, <laughs> That's overwhelming. Well, figure out, you know, right. And I use the analogy of our role in our department as like the different people in the department as like 
building a house. You know, there's foundation, right? Then there's people who construct the house and there's people who make it really, really functional by design and think about all the, and then there's people that make it beautiful and then decorate it. And then Mm -hmm. everybody has a different role and ultimately the outcome of that creation. And so I try to use something like that as explaining different Mm -hmm. departments as an example. There's some analogies. I like that. Yes. I like that (laughs) a lot. But they really work. And if you talk to people in their own language, you know, they, they really, really, I think, understand it more, can picture themselves in it, you know, can kind of just embrace a little bit more. Um, And if you look next, right, I think common language, common language is so important. Like I just talked to you about deli meat and football. And And I understood everything you were talking about. (laughs) Right. I mean, it is not complicated. Um, And I used to think, you know, especially when I was younger, like, especially when I first started speaking, you know, it's easy to get super involved in IT, you know, jargon or any jargon of any industry. It doesn't really matter what it is, right? I was such a bad speaker and storyteller when I tried to talk like that because it was not how I think it's not how I, and I don't think it's how the majority mm-hmm. of people think. I really don't. And I think, you know, I understand why there's, you know, you know, different kinds of language, but I think common language is something that I've learned to embrace over time. I think it brings out, you know, your personality a little bit more. I think it, you connect with a broader audience. There's not that whole fear of like, oh yeah, I totally understand what that person's talking about. When the reality is you probably picked up 40, 50% of it. Um, And I think common language is really, really important because it's something that a broad group can understand. I think this becomes even more important when you are, you know, dealing with teams you know, where people in different places, whether it's different regions within, you know, a country, you know, whether it's in different position levels, I think that's also, whether it's, you know, you're dealing with different cultures around the globe. I think all of that sort of stuff, the more common you can make everything, you know, the difference, because I think there's absolutely tons of differences and cultural things, diversity and all that stuff around the world. But I think there's a lot more commonality with everyday people than, than we all realize it. And I think trying to speak, you know, in a common language is important. I think that's another thing too. It's especially important as people, you know, you talk about career journey and how do you get noticed and how do you, you know, try to get people to understand what you're all about. The simpler you can make mm-hmm. something and the quicker and faster you can make, you know, something sound the better, especially for people who are super busy in executive type positions or need to make decisions because Everybody think about when you're at that level, everybody's coming to you with something yeah. at that yes. point. Right. I, I know that from trying to get to them. I know that from people trying to get to me, my, my role, right. The quicker you can kind of simplify and break something mm-hmm. down, the better. And the really the only way you can do that fast is common language. And I think, you know, so many times it's, you know, it's tempting to want to show off all the mm-hmm. stuff that you know and all the cool <laughs> stuff, but you know, that's great. Probably there's a time and purpose if you're writing like a detailed manual mm-hmm. or something, but in everyday conversation with people, common language is definitely the key component and it doesn't even have to be common to your Yeah. Industry. It's, that is so interesting that you say that. And you're absolutely right. I think if there was more common language used, um, we would get to things faster. There would be less assumptions made. There would be less disconnect. And it's interesting because the whole using the jargon, using the language, part of that is just our need to like prove ourselves, our need to show that we know Mm -hmm. the answers. But I find that this creative talent of being able to speak to the larger group, being able to speak to more specifically in this common language arena to getting to the, the end result faster with more people on board versus trying to shove something that people don't understand down their throats because it's your jam. And I just love the fact that you approach um, conversations and speaking engagements and whatnot in this way. I think it's just fantastic. And what a great tip. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's interesting how many people respond differently when you like, and, and it's almost like you can see it. Like if you've ever been, you know, yeah, I know, Andrew, you've been to many events and conferences and whatnot where you've seen, you know, audience and you've sat in an audience, you know, you've been part of, you know, discussions where you've watched an audience from a stage and all. It, you can almost see if you sit back and watch somebody where when somebody speaks and in, in some of that language, that might be a little bit 
you know, a little bit specific or maybe sometimes a little buzzwordy or jargony or whatever. Although people appreciate, I think naturally anybody who's trying to convey a message to them or tell them something or resonating with them, you can almost see that when someone comes up and takes just a more simple mm-hmm. approach or even like, you know, people that do think about it, do a PowerPoint deck with absolutely no words, just mm-hmm. pictures or whatever the case may be, you know, you can absolutely see the whole entire audience just sit down yeah. and relax, you know, and you can just the, the, see the body language, the change and people immediately put the phone down and start paying attention more. Right. So um, I remember one, one time I did this, I had an, an opener where, um, you know, we had an event we were doing and whatnot. And, and um, you know, I wanted to talk about thinking differently and being different. And so I started this whole entire opening segment of this track and all I had was a red solo cup. <laughs> you know, red solo cup, kind of funny, right? People think yes. different things with a red solo cup. I think there's, I'd like think there's a, a whole song. I'd like a beer in that, please. <laughs> Correct. Maybe yeah, some wine. Me too, most days, for sure. You know, me too. Either of those are fine with me most days. Um, there's definitely some <laughs> some song lyrics about about that. But um, I just started with, you know, tell me what you see when this red, when you see this red solo cup. And of course, same thing, right? The audience, you know, you immediately see people get into it and whatnot. Um, and it was really funny, but um, you know, I kind of played a little game with everybody about, well, why did you say that? And, you know, what made you think of that? And kind of just involved everyone. And I said, well, in my household, you know, this weekend, here's what my kids saw. And I had a red solo cup pyramid mm. you know, that we've all made a hundred times over because it was pouring. It was a fabulous summer, rainy day in Florida, mm-hmm. as you know, and we were trapped inside. And so we did where my kids ran through the pyramid. And so I played these videos in slow motion. <laughs> right. And so... But that whole video was the foundation to why that whole conference was focused on thinking differently. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, seeing things a little bit yeah, differently. Yeah, but what you were able to do was to exactly what you said before. The purpose is connect to your audience. You have to get mm-hmm. them connected. You have to connect to them. They have to connect to what it is you're saying. And yeah, that's amazing. Everyone likes a red solo. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> And not calling um, it something yeah, fancy, you. calling it a damn red solo cup. <laughs> right. Amen to that. Oh, seriously. <laughs> totally. They even make those hilarious ones. I remember I went to a restaurant once and they actually had like hard plastic version ones of them that they could like reuse and all that. I thought it was absolutely hilarious because <laughs> the whole vibe of the restaurant was like picnicky, And I was like, this is the cutest thing ever. So you can find That's them online. Awesome. Um, but I think, you know, to that point, You then have to tap into people's senses. And I think the more, the merrier, Um, you know, people respond differently to different things, you know, so, you know, when you're using your words, you know, in storytelling, as an example, you can use your words, but you can use them to describe and appeal to every type Mm -hmm. of sense. You know, some people are different, you know, they're, they're wired differently. Right. So like, as an example, I talk to you, I love music. I love listening to music. I absolutely respond way more to music than I do to other mediums. Right. So I'm, I'm, I love to hear and listen. My husband visual, he loves the TV, right? He needs to see everything with his eyes. He loves, you know, and you know, some people are, you know, respond differently to taste or to smell or to, you know, I only responded weirdly to smell when I was pregnant probably, (laughs) but, um, you know, so, um, I think that, you know, using as many senses as you can, when storytelling to people is super important too. So like not just saying, you know, you know, I had the chicken or whatever. No, I had the amazing chicken. It was breaded, crispy. You know, the temperature was the perfect, you know, hotness, not too hot, not too cold. You know, when I tasted it, you know, it was just exciting and, you know, flavorful and like, you know, you just described now yeah. I'm hungry, but now you just described, you know, the way you describe, you know, chicken, it's so much different than, you know, I ordered the yeah. chicken as an example. So just trying to use as many senses mm-hmm. as possible, um, I think is important. So the other thing, you know, emotions, emotions is a fun word, <laughs> uh, especially in business. Um, emotions are really good in storytelling, <laughs> really, really good. And I know that, um, you know, I think for so long, the world was against, you know, emotions, especially the professional world. Mm-hmm. You and I have had many long, uh, soulful probably conversations, mm-hmm. right. About this. Um, and, and I think that when you use the word emotional, you know, there's a bad connotation, um, sometimes in a, in a business environment, but like, think about emotions, right. Happy, delighted, 
elated, excited, you know, amused, proud, confident, ecstatic, right? Hopeful. Those are all emotional mm-hmm. words. They're all emotions, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know what's bad, bad about any of those. Exactly. You know? I mean, all of those things are great for people to think mm-hmm. about. You know? So emotions, I think, are really, really good. They connect to people. We are humans. We are human people. We are not robotics. We have emotions for a reason. We are biologically wired to have emotions for a reason. Um, I think understanding emotions and storytelling are really, really important because you're going to, again, right, relate to your audience. It's just similar to like the analogies of finding, you know, your common ground or purpose. Mm -hmm. Emotions help you relate to your audience, just like analogies help you relate to your audience. You know, people hear or absorb or whatever things differently. So um, when you can have eye contact, I know not every medium allows that, right? When you can have eye contact though, that's great. But, you know, even when you can't, I think, you know, the appropriate change of voice or tone Mm -hmm. when storytelling is so um, important. Like if you think about, you know, I use this approach called the slow and low. Anybody who has ever been part of my team or mentored by me is going to laugh when they hear this. Um, (laughs) But the slow and low works. So just when you're getting to the point, you slow down, you say it a little louder, right? You got to hold on. You got to make people hold on. The other thing too, is it's important, like when you're trying to convey, um, you know, I think a message or tell a story, especially in a more difficult setting, it's natural that you will get a little more hyped Mm -hmm. up or nervous or whatever. So consciously slowing down and speaking at a lower octave Mm -hmm. volume than you normally would takes a second to get yourself, but it's unbelievable how you can see people's body language Mm -hmm. change when you just simply slow down just speak a little yeah. more, right? I just did it. You know, it's amazing how you can do it. So, um, you know, I think of course, when you close any good story, right, you try to close to gain understanding. So, you know, ask questions, mm-hmm. right. You know, I hope, you know, or you make statements or you, you know, um, you know, you have to close in a way that, that, you know, is there, you know, is there, hopefully you've gained a lot from the story of, or is there anything I can help clarify if you're in person or whatever in a, in a, in that type of a setting, you know, and I think you do that, but, you do that to a certain degree, but then you got to let people process. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I had to learn over time, right? Was that people process in different ways. Some people process immediately. Some people need a mm-hmm. minute. Some people want to think about things. They might follow up with you later. You know, not everybody just digests things a little bit differently. And the other thing is I think, you know, probably the most powerful stories that you, that you tell are ones that people unpack even more layers over time. Yeah. So I think that's really yes. important. So that's, I guess, kind of my process, if you will. It's like you keep them, you keep them continuing to think about it. And then, oh, oh, and oh, instead of, wow, that was inspiring. They walk out of the room and then nothing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they even forget, what was that about again? Yeah, no, I, I love the mm-hmm. fact that you can leave them in this state of continuing to, you know, think about and stew on and, and discover and be curious about what was said and actually connected to what was said. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I almost think probably one of the things that I've, I've learned over the years is like when people come up to me and like, you know, maybe two years after something or three years after they're like, I still remember mm-hmm. when you told me, you know, whatever it was. And I still remember how that, and I think about that to this day, like every once in a while, I'll get like one of those messages, you know, from someone that was, on my team or whatever previously, you know, on LinkedIn or something that's just like, I still remember. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that just warms my yeah. heart. You know I mean? It just warms my heart. So. That just shows yeah. like how impactful storytelling metaphors, like being able to mm-hmm. um, use these tips and use this process and, you know, really being conscientious of it along the way is so impactful to others. Yeah. It's a, you know, and it's fun too. I think, you know, there are a lot of uh, different ways, especially in a work environment, right, where, or you know, we can just go about our day, get in a ritual, get in a rut, you know, I think it's almost like, you know, you're just like, you know, and probably anybody who's like, you know, a little competitive, like, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to figure out a way to get, get to that person, I'm going to figure out a way to get them mm-hmm. to understand me or to, you know, and, and I think that's a, obviously a great skill in business, but I think that's a great skill just really in life, you know what I mean, whether or not you're trying to convince, you know, someone to, understand, you know, something during a home buying process, mm-hmm. right? Or or whether or not you're um, 
you know, doing something on behalf of your kids at school or, you know, any of those types of situations, I think can be really, really helpful um, to just understand and try to relate to people. And the other thing too, I just, I find that, you know, focusing on this skill really forces you to learn more about the people around you, the world around you, the audience around you, right? We're all kind of, sometimes everyone's guilty of human nature to be in your zone. And when you have to really think about what matters to people, what they're all about, what's the connection point, it just, I think, leads to just an overall more fulfilling life, yeah. you know? And we all we all have a lot of purpose and we all play a destiny in how it is that we're going to live that out. So why not live it in a more purposeful yeah, way? Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I'm going to definitely have you back on because I think it would be a great um, conversation that we can we can share about just the navigation, being more agile, navigation of change, being more agile, being that evolved leader that I think everybody is craving and looking for. And um, I would love to have you back on for another episode. So stay tuned on that. You got awesome. it. Thank you. you. Got it. Well, I'll give you one. How yes. about I give you one last oh, metaphor okay. on Absolutely. that? Because I have a funny okay. one. I have a funny because you know we're you know it's one I've had to use a little bit you know uh, lately, and so you know about change, and it's, it's an interesting one. And I think um, so. If you think about change, and a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, change. You know, change is a, a, one of those words that just evokes lots mm-hmm. of different things. So, um, you know, and I've kind of embraced the mindset of the only constant is change in this world, which I think is really, really um, important um, for people to know. But it's like when you're going through any sort of change, I kind of liken it to a road, mm-hmm. a road being changed, right? Or a road being widened. So, you know, maybe as a Floridian, you know, our feels like our oh, roads are always constantly under traffic, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> that year-round sunshine <laughs> kind of doesn't put maybe that that deadline, if you will, on construction. But um one I've used recently and I actually, you know, dressed up and had like a little vest and hat and all this one day and just, a, you know, the emotions thing, right. That mm-hmm. we were talking about relating, you know, use as many, but um, you know, when you navigate change, it's kind of like when a road is being designed. So, you know, many lanes, if you think about it, you drive along, it's a two lane road, you know, what happens? You build houses and you build around it and you build around and all of a sudden that two lane road is not that functional mm-hmm. anymore. And so, you know, it's a little bit hard to navigate through. Well, you know, for all the right reasons, we decide to widen the road. And so, of course, when the road gets widened, it's great, you know, because the outcome is, yay, it's going to go from two lanes to six lanes. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone's happy. But, you know, if you think about that process of converting a two lane road to a six lane road, it's mm-hmm. long. And, you know, sometimes that two lane road can become a one lane road, mm-hmm. right? I mean, those mm-hmm. guys stand out and they have the sticks slow and stop and you have to sit there and it takes forever. Mm-hmm. You know, then, you know, maybe they do some work, but then you're going in a different traffic Mm -hmm. pattern or you have to go and drive on the shoulder and it's kind of bumpy and, you know, there's rocks flying sometimes and and all that sort of stuff. And then they change the traffic pattern again and then maybe again one more time. And if you think about it, right, eventually, you know, during that time, you're like, my goodness, that two lane road we had actually wasn't (laughs) terrible. Yes. (laughs) Wasn't the best, but I can live with that. But then all of a sudden, you know, you wake up one day and, you know, I don't know if it always seems like it's like magically overnight, like <laughs> done, right? And then the paint is gorgeous and everything. And then you go on this six lane road and you're like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. Yeah. That's a lot what change feels like. And so my funny thing to, you know, when I'm telling people how to navigate change, I'm like, you know, navigating change and kind of like a tool that you can use for assessment is, are you eventually on smooth pavement? there's going to be some bumpy pavement along the way and some change of traffic patterns. It's going to feel a little weird, but you will eventually get to smooth pavement and it will be better than you've ever Mm. seen before. That's beautiful. How perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so awesome. All right. So I know that you had mentioned a couple of boards that you sit on and including inside Mm -hmm. of tech data and then also out in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything else you would like to share as recommendations, either books or organizations or companies or products or anything like that that you'd like to share that I can, can include in the show notes? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. And I appreciate it. Um, Of course, I'll give a shameless shout out again for the JDRF of Northern Florida. They're a great organization. Um, They do amazing work to find a cure for type 1 diabetes and do all sorts of local events all throughout the organization and um, all 
throughout really the globe. And so an amazing organization. I cannot say enough. And I'd encourage everyone to get involved. Um, I am not involved in JDRF because I have anyone personally in my life with type 1 diabetes. I'm actually involved in JDRF, Angie, as you know, because of you. And so and how much you inspired me. And it's just an amazing organization um, for, you know, what the parents go through of kids with type 1 diabetes. Um, you know, as a parent who doesn't have to go through that, you can't help but want to help mm-hmm. everyone else. So that's an awesome organization I would support. Um, so there is an amazing book, um, recommendation that I recommend to everyone and it has nothing to do with, um, your gender. So I just like to point that out. Um, you actually gave that one to me. It's called mastering your mean girl. Um, and it is just an amazing journey on understanding, um, everyone's mean girl, which is, um, the mean girl really is the person who, you know, is inside of you that, you know, doubts or, you know, is judgmental or whatever the case may be that inherently you have so much influence over how you can get a hold of that mean girl, if you will, inside Mm -hmm. of us, we all have it. We all have that inner voice. Um, and it's a great, amazing book. And like I said, it's called mastering your mean girl has nothing to do with being a girl. Anybody can read it. (laughs) Um, and then of course, I mean, you know, absolutely shifting inside out where we're at right now. How could I not recommend (laughs) that? Um, because, I remember when this um, entire idea um, or this entire, um, you know, journey run was an idea mm-hmm. many years ago. And I know you were passionate about it and I'd love to see your, what you're doing. And, and, you know, I would be remiss not to close um, with absolutely one of my new favorite books, which is of course your love. Your <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Thank you. Yeah. Which you are the forward author of <laughs> for any listeners who did not know that <laughs> Christy wrote the yes, four when there might be an analogy and yes. a line fly analogy yes. <laughs> that extra special ingredient and it has yeah. nothing it's to do with limes <laughs> mm-hmm. no that was awesome thank you so much for doing that and for recording mm-hmm. the audible version of the forward as well you're just wonderful. Thank Absolutely. you for all your support always. <laughs> My pleasure. It. it was it was a it was an honor. So I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. All right. I'll have you back on for sure. Thank you, Christy. <laughs> Sounds good. Take care, Ange. <laughs>